I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lane. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have a shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. So how you doing? Honestly, I'm having a toughie. It has been a real struggle this week for me. How about you? Same. Yeah. yeah. What's um, going on? Full moon? I don't know, man. Like, I don't like to blame things on the stars, but fuck's sake. Like, it, just, <laughs> it just really feels intense. It feels mm-hmm. um, like th- those, those kind of threads of hope that, that I, I think a lot of people were feeling. I know I was definitely feeling it, like, even two weeks ago. And then... You know, here in BC, more restrictions, and they're. I think what they're doing is called a circuit breaker, right? So they're just yeah, like, totally. no more inside dining, no more dicking around. Just we, we've got to do this. And I agree with much of what um, they're saying. I, I do wish they had done it sooner. I, I don't think Whistler mm-hmm. should have been open at spring break, um, but at the same time, I just have incredible compassion for folks that work in restaurants because I did it myself for 15 years and you're relying your tips to live and it's already been so difficult and so I'm just I'm really my heart goes out to them but when I looked at Twitter yesterday afternoon I was like you guys can we not can we not do this thing where it's like, the, no, it's the boomers' fault. No, it's the millennials' fault. No, it's the, you know, all the boomers are, you know, the anti-maskers are all boomers. But, you know, and I, I just, uh, at some point, I just had to kind of get off and go outside. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's that layered on top of the dental stuff, on top of the, yeah, right. uh, you know, ADHD, trying to carve <laughs> out a new fucking career. Um and not having like just zero certainty, you know? Yeah. Um, and so is that part of what you're experiencing? Like just feeling that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to, part of it though, I want to go back to what, what you said there about the circuit breaker lockdown. And like, I, I completely agree with you and that, that tension is sort of at the heart of where Canada has just completely shit the bed and how we've managed this (laughs) is that Without without financial assistance from the government to both individuals and businesses, we will always be reopening too soon because of both the imperative of the people on top to make profit and the imperative of the people who are trying to pay their bills, buy their groceries, mm-hmm. etc., to earn money somehow. And if there's not money to help out individuals, they've got to go work. And if there's not money to businesses to stay closed and continue to pay their employees while they're closed, then the businesses have the imperative to open because the landlords are certainly still charging them rent. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, this is, this is a failure top down from the government to say, we're going to lock down and we're going to pay everyone to stay home. That's what any nation that has fucking done any successful management 
like any, any to any level of success has done that exact thing and only that thing mm-hmm. it's the only thing that's going to work and we're sort of half-assing it from both ends and it's just it's just going to drag this shit out forever like it's it's ludicrous and um yeah so so definitely like there's a generalized like I'm not trying to be dramatic when I say this, but like, you know, it's it's been a lot of like hopelessness and despair for me this week. Mm-hmm. Just just not only feeling that kind of like general things are just not going well in the world, but also just feeling individually really powerless and hopeless and just mm-hmm. like, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh stronger than demotivated demoralized that's the one <laughs> yeah you know it's 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 tough right now um and i'm really struggling but uh yeah just like just trying to kind of you know keep focused on the positive um yeah. but yeah just like it's 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 been tough it's been a really really sad week for me a lot of mood swings mm. and then like funny um so after talking about the the uh um sort of clumsiness and like not paying attention to your body and all that stuff and specifically about brewing your coffee into a contigo thermos bottle Mm -hmm. so today i spent roughly 90 minutes making coffee and cleaning up coffee because on three separate occasions of trying to make brew my coffee into this coffee and into this thermos bottle i just like carelessly elbowed something or leaned into something or swung around too fast and bumped something and just like just coffee and grinds just fucking everywhere and the first time I was like a little bit choked and I was like okay whatever and then when it happened again like six minutes later I just like I just had a complete fucking like just just like god fucking damn it (laughs) just like and then the third time it happened about an hour and a half ago i just didn't say anything it was just like this is my life now this is this is my life is i'm sisyphus cleaning up the same fucking handful of coffee grinds over and over again trying to make a pour over for myself so i can start my day Mm -hmm. and just like you know uh, it, it just just very very frustrating um mm. so yeah uh that that's been tough but it was just funny um not only that kind of the body awareness stuff was rearing its head again but then mm. also just that i was specifically because of my attempted coping strategy to deal with that stuff uh had to deal with a lot of extra bullshit that i would not have had to if i was simply brewing it into a cup the way that it was supposed to and not on top of a funnel on top of a water (laughs) bottle because i've got this kind of like jerry-rigged approach because i you know am, am trying to to do this in a way that doesn't involve this mess so it only had to happen three times for me to go oh maybe i should be doing this in the sink Right. Like that, that literally didn't occur to me the first two times it happened today. The third time I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's three feet away. Why am I not brewing this in the sink? Yeah. And so again, like, that's great. Like I've got a thing going forward now, if I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that was just like, so there, there was, there was just like that. And then um, I broke my glasses two nights ago. And that was again, just like, it's just the last thing I need. I just, I just can't afford to go and get 
a new prescription update and get my glasses fixed and stuff. So they're glued back together for now. And, you know, just like that's, that's how things are. But, um, so yeah, so it's, it's just been a struggle. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about, we watched Groundhog Day again. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was such a, a great reminder. And I was thinking, you know, Groundhog Day, ground coffee day. I was trying to think of a play on words there, but nothing is coming to me. Um, but it was just like, every time I see that movie, I get something more from it. I think it's just one of those multi-layered kind of movies. And right. and at, when we watched it this time, I was like, yep, like just same, here we go. Another lockdown. <laughs> We're going to go through it again. <laughs> it's like January or May or March, 2020, March, 2021. What's the difference? Not really like same things. Like how, how am I looking at this? And, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely in that place. It's just like, I mean, things are different this year and that I'm not working a job uh, mm -hmm. where I'm, you know, there's this pressure to be a miracle worker to bring in a million dollars in funding in three months. Um, but I, I do, yeah, I just feel like some of the same things that were happening last year and the same frustrations and getting really... I have my own spilly, spilly pants thing on Sunday because <laughs> I've been like, I have this, you know, this little micro garden on our balcony and, oh, cool. and I love it. I love getting my hands dirty. I love, you know, it was such a joy last year. That was like my joy, right. To have this thing. Mm -hmm. I've never done it before. It was really exciting. And so Sunday I got a little ahead of myself and I was like, hands in the dirt. This could be great. And then I, I bring, <laughs> so I decide to pot these these nasturtiums inside, which are like these beautiful edible flowers, and they grow really. Yeah, totally. Love. We've got I think five different varieties or something in the yard. Yeah, they're great, right? Like, and and so mm. I had one in a pot, in this white pot, and I, okay, I've got them all seeded, and then I take it to the kitchen sink to water it, and but then I decide that there's like too much water coming into things, so I tip it on its side, but rather than tipping it on its side, I just tip it completely upside down. And our entire <laughs> sink and dishes and everything is just covered in dirt. Right. Soil, and yeah. It's wet, so you can't really do anything with it. There's just shit everywhere. My partner's still sleeping, and I'm like, <sighs> big breath in, right? Just like, okay, here we go. And it took me probably like 20 minutes to get all this dirt off the cutlery and coffee cups and just everything that was in the proximity of it. And very similar to you I thought I had it all sorted out and then I did it again and like dropped <laughs> all over the clean thing and I was just like is this like is this a groundhog day is this ADHD thing am I just klutzy because I feel I don't know about you but I get when I get nervous when I get a little high strung that's when I tend to get droppy like I I Absolutely. Cause, cause again, you're, you're not, you're not even able to have the presence of mind to be like, I need to focus on my actions right now because whatever's going on in your head is just off the rails. And like that, that train is fucking barreling already. There's nothing you could do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking about this idea of, you know, oh, it's, you know, if you're present, then, um, being present in your body and movement and everything, and then you're less likely to have accidents. But sometimes it's easier said than done, I'm finding with the ADHD brain of mine, that it's just like, once I'm fixated, it's really difficult to pull myself back into this present body kind of awareness. And I, like, my hands will, like, visibly shake, and I just get really 
um, really uh, freaked out for lack of a better word. Um, but then yeah. I did, I did have a chuckle about it. Um, and then I watched my partner um, who I don't believe has ADHD, but sometimes <laughs> have some things that are kind of possibly. And uh, cause I was in this, you know, let's do all the plant things. We're plant people now. So on Sunday I was like, I had this spider plant that I was trying to do something with and it was really sunny. So I was like, I'm going to put it on like a short ledge here. It's usually in a, in a hanger. And I pulled it down to do something with it. I watered it or something and I wanted it to dry. So I put it there and my partner had literally just said, Oh, that's really great. And did this thing. And then he took our sliding window that's like on the same shelf as this plant. And I hear this thump and then I hear this, ah, fuck. (laughs) The plant's like upside down, dirt everywhere. (laughs) It's just like, well, uh, there you go. (laughs) It's just kind of, and I hadn't even told him about my dirt fiasco earlier in the day uh, because he had just woken up. But it was just really funny because I mean, it happens to everybody, right? You just kind of, sure. but I think, being being in this pandemic and being at home more than most people, even freelancers are used to being, um, being kind of um, under this kind of pressure cooker of like trying to figure out how to sustain a, a financial living, how to stay in touch with the people you care about and how to be with another person. You know, in our case, we live in a yep. 800 square foot Kitsilano apartment um overall I think we're doing a pretty bang up job but there's days when I'm just like fuck you know like we just both feel so frustrated and because there's so much out of our control yep you know and um so many things Osvaldo was supposed to be doing uh shows on the east coast all these things you know of course that all evaporated um Mm -hmm. he's getting a lot of great things happening for him here in Vancouver so I'm really happy for that but it definitely wears him down. Um, and I'm worn down, obviously, because I don't know exactly what my next steps are uh, professionally, um, yeah. dealing yeah. with all this emotional upheaval of the ADHD discovery, of recovering from burnout from my former job, of um, the sensitivity to the seemingly endless injustices happening uh, in the world. And so rejoining Twitter, it was like, this is great. I'm going to find out about ADHD things, but it seems like every day I log in, it's not just that it's just, there's been some fresh horror coming from anywhere, primarily the, our neighbors to the South. And I just think, God, like, I, I can't cope. Like I sometimes just get like a bit shut down by that. And I have to just close the browser and and I even use the freedom app for like four hours of the day. So I know I can't look at it. Um, yeah. But it just, yeah, I think that there's, I feel like this, you know, over just over a year of this and I don't know anybody who's handling it well. I don't know anybody ADHD no. or otherwise who's like, I'm thriving unless they're full of shit, you know, like even people that are highly resourced and have financial means and like their businesses have, they've had to pivot people like Roxanne Gay, who's married to Debbie Millman. And these are highly successful creative people have seen their incomes like totally go sideways. And like, they're trying to figure shit out, you know? So 
Um, and I mean, they're definitely in like income brackets that I probably can't fathom at this point in my life, but they're still, <laughs> they're still feeling it. There's like, sure. and they're being honest about it. And that, you know, I have such tremendous respect for Roxane Gay and everything that she's done in her career and the way that she writes, the way she speaks, the way she advocates. Um, and to still um, know that she is uh, struggling in this. And it just like, it makes me feel a little bit more connected, I suppose. Because um, I, I don't know about you, but I don't follow anybody who's, you know, any toxic positivity brands or people that are going to pretend like they're doing a bang up job at this whole thing. Because I don't need to see that shit. <laughs> totally. You know? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not aware of any uh, that I follow. Um, <laughs> that's certainly not, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't jive with my own worldview. Um, and that's kind of like, yeah, I, I was talking, I think a couple episodes ago. Um, oh shoot. I, okay. Toxic positivity. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, right. Um, so I was saying a couple episodes ago about how I don't, I don't want to let this label or this way that I'm different, like define me and run my life. Mm. Um, and I guess that's kind of, so I, d I don't want to go so far in the other direction of like this kind of learned helplessness and feeling like I can't do anything, but then I don't want to go in the other direction of not having any kind of compassion for myself or giving myself the bandwidth to kind of like relax. Um, and yeah. And, and just like, because, you know, I don't, I don't feel like a boss bitch a lot of days. Mm. And I don't want to rise and grind a lot of days. Mm -hmm. Like I just, there, there's days when I just want to be a fucking little blubbering sobby bitch <laughs> and just like a little bathtub bitch. I want to be different kinds of bitches on different days, not just a boss bitch. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough for me to try and find that balance because if I'm not working on something all the time I'm kicking myself because I'm broke right now so it's just like if I can't you know if, if if the work that I'm doing isn't isn't turning into money then I can't like allow myself to relax and do things that feel like not work you know what I mean mm -hmm. um but I also recognize that the work that I do would be a lot better if I allowed myself the time to rest or like do things that I like and just kind of take time for me. So, yeah. yeah so I'm just kind of like trying to navigate that right now of just trying to keep myself motivated mm -hmm. because, you know, no one else is going to like, there's no one else that's going to look out for me, but me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I need to, to some degree, be able to motivate myself. Um, but then there's another big part of me that's just like, but why has it got to be that way, man? I know, right? <laughs> why do we have to live in late stage capitalism where our work <laughs> is so like tied into our productivity, you know? It's just our, you know, adding value and our, you know, unique value propositions and all that. Like, um, I just, I would love to see some, you know, more movement towards this idea of, you know, just being is inherently valuable, like just being a human mm -hmm. being in the world, but uh, living in late stage capitalism, that's not really how it rolls, you know, um, <laughs> I, you know, I would, I would love to see universal basic income as an option in this country. 
I, I do think that at the beginning of the pandemic, when the government, you know, was like, here's the syrup, stay the fuck home. And many people that um, would ordinarily not be able to access that could. But I also think they really dropped the ball when you look at folks in the disability community who have been trying to stay alive on significantly less money than that. Sometimes like mm -hmm. 1600 a month is like the max. Um, what that points to to me is that, so when there's a will, there's always a way, right? And accommodations were made for entire organizations to go and work from home. And even my former employer used to bristle depending on which senior manager you talk to about working from home. And yet they sure made accommodations in a hurry when, uh, when the pandemic hit. And so I just feel like there's, you know, in the, many of the Western governments, like the, the money is there, the resources are mm -hmm. there. And it's really just a, a matter of will of, uh, you know, providing supports uh, to the people that need it when they need it instead of all this, you know, um, I don't know what, what's the word, like performative um, actions, you know, like mm. here's, here's a, you know, a feedback survey. <laughs> I don't think people need more Lip fucking service. surveys right now, right. Or another focus group or whatever, just like give people money, like here in BC, like if restaurants, like if they're going to have to lay off staff again, make it so that folks that work in restaurants can qualify for regular EI, you mm -hmm. know, um, so like you were saying earlier, provide funding to the restaurants so if they have to like lose like 80% of their business from, from dine-in, then that they can still stay afloat. I mean, there's a really great um, company that started during the pandemic um, providing uh, delivery services for restaurants that doesn't gouge them as much as, uh, you know, yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, you mentioned ordering Chinese from... from yeah, we got some place. dim sum from uh, Little Bird Dim Sum, which is like one of my favorite places uh, not far from us here in Kits. And I wish I could remember the name of the, of the service because it's a Vancouver uh, company that started by, um, you know, restaurant folks themselves who are just sick of being gouged by all these like, sure. uh, large companies that, um, you know, it actually costs them money often to use that service. And... Um, and people want people want simplicity and accessibility and convenience. But you, I really like that there are people kind of rising to the challenge that they're providing work for people. So people that you know ordinarily would maybe be a server, they could be a driver for this, or you know, the, and make some money and make some tips. And um, so I love seeing examples of that. Um, mm -hmm. And. I think that there's, yeah, I, I do see opportunities there, but I, 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 you know, when I say this all the time, I feel like government does have a responsibility to care for their citizens. Absolutely. It's literally their sole responsibility. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that a government is supposed to do is to keep their citizens alive and fed and sheltered. That is the baseline expectation of a government. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, it, and it's crazy how that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you sure about that? <laughs> But the, the, the thing that really has made me crazy about all of this stuff is that, um, is, is that it's been means tested at all. And that's not just because the means testing meant that I didn't qualify for CERB or any of this other stuff. Like that sucks. But really, even just from like a, if, if, if 
keeping budgets in order is like apparently the real actual priority of governments <laughs> the world over is to like make sure they don't fucking spend money. So if that's if that's your real priority, then fine. But like, um, Jesus, did I completely lose that thought? I think I did. Um, <laughs> well, you were you were talking about means testing and um... yes, that's what it was. Uh, so it, it's just that like. Yeah, um, I, f I feel like the amount of money that is spent in infrastructure, staff salaries, mm -hmm. uh, all this other kind of stuff and, and time and not to mention the human dignity cost of means testing. I suspect it's probably more than if we just said send everybody $2,000 a month till this shit is over. Everyone, every age. Uh, regardless of, of even if you're a billionaire, you still get that two grand. Like, you know, um, I, I feel like just sending that money out, not not means tested, no strings attached, mm -hmm. none of this other bullshit is long run way more cost effective than all this fucking like, oh, well, here we sent you these checks. But actually, if you made over X, you got to pay some of it back now. And like this is just an enormous time and energy headache mm -hmm. for everyone and does no one any good. Like it's it's, it's money that we're spending paying people to claw back their own tax dollars from the government. Like just the, the it, it's just frustrating for me because, you know, I've spent my entire teenage and adulthood mm -hmm. working for and paying into, uh, you know, these government systems that are supposed to be there when I need yeah. them. And I wasn't able to benefit when I needed them because, you know, like, again, like be, be because of, of the means testing and the, I, I, like just just I'm much richer on paper than I am in pocket right now. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> so it's it's just yeah it, it's tough. So, but I'm I'm fucking I can't even believe that that just left my mouth. I just sound like such a fucking little privileged bitch right now. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, you know what? Though I don't think that that's um I don't think that you don't sound privileged to me. I mean it you know you went from working a job where you were paid, you know, white collar salary and you were, you know, fairly well compensated. Um, but lots of people have been saying this. It's just like when you go from that to like nothing, that doesn't mean that you don't need um, some support, right? Like um, people that uh, in like in your situation that um, went like it was just the timing of it, right? Just like the way that, you know. Yep, exactly. Um, so if it had been like a year following that, then you definitely would have qualified for serve, right? Um, yep. But yeah, I find, I just, I think that that is kind of frustrating. And I, I heard that story more than once that people that were um, making, you know, 75, 80K a year and then were laid off in a round of furloughs and they didn't qualify because of, uh, of where they were at financially. And it's just kind of like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that thinking, like the means testing thinking. It's like, are you poor enough to qualify? But if you're, but like, it's almost like it's, it's so strange to me. It's like, are you, are you really destitute? Then here's not even enough. Like, here's like, here's, here's <laughs> yes, like $600 exactly. a month. That's not going to get anything for you. Are you just kind of sort of destitute? okay, well, uh, we'll give you the, like the lowest tier of EI, which will give you like $1,400 a month or whatever, right? Like, I don't know, I just, I, I've never quite been able to grasp that. And it's why I was always really challenged in the charity sector as well. Just like who gets to decide who uh, is worthy of support. Like, I just feel like it should just be universal, right? Like if you, if you have mm -hmm. the need 
for something, uh, then it should be provided to you. Uh, you shouldn't have to, um, to, to prove and go through this whole undignified rigmarole um, just in order to, to survive on the planet. Um, and it's, I, I would just love to see more work done in this. I'm just sorry that you had to go through that because I, I know you're not alone in it. And I don't think that makes you privileged that you went from, a, you know, a full-time salaried employee to not. Like it's, it's a massive life. No, no but, but what, I mean, what I mean is that I sound privileged because it's where the situation I am is that I'm, I'm illiquid. Like I can, I can access money if I need to, but I have to sell my car or sell my house or, you know, cash in part of my pension plan or these other things. And these are like, these are not things that I want to do. I would rather just like, you know, continue to try and find work, continue to work on the stuff that I'm doing and just get a little kickback to scrape by in the meantime, even if it's like just enough to cover my bills and I'm eating, you know, couscous three days a, or three meals a day like fine mm -hmm. but like <laughs> couscous. i never would have thought of i like couscous but... <laughs> usually think like rice and beans but couscous yeah i suppose we're scared that, that could be another one too um, it's about on the rice price point i feel oh like. yeah yeah i i forgot I, you know what i used to love couscous and it's one of those things i just forgot about eating i think because it had wheat in it and i went through this whole gluten intolerance thing mm. for like well over 10 years but it's funny, totally unrelated or kind of related that um, when I finally started to recover from the burnout in the, like I guess the late summer last year from my former job, um, my stomach mm -hmm. started really settling down. And just mm. like that, I could have bread again. Like after years of not being able to go anywhere near it, like if I have a piece of sourdough bread or a donut or a cracker, it, my life just continues and it, for the longest time because my stomach was just so constantly um, upset from uh, stress and anxiety and elevated cortisol levels that that was actually what was causing the intolerance to, right. to things. So um, it's nice to be able to just eat, eat good food and um, be able to digest it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's lovely too much information maybe kind of i don't know but um yeah the uh eating I mean, you know we we're pretty um we're on pretty tight budget um you know being on ei is not it's not going to get you mm -hmm. ahead in any way like it just you know keeps a roof over our heads and um <clears throat> but because i've had all this dental stuff go on like right yeah i'm just i'm carrying debt that i don't love doing but um it's, I'm also, yeah, I feel very grateful that I can access these things. Like the dentist is willing to do a payment plan so um, that it's manageable. Um, but yeah, not knowing exactly where I'm going to land next or, you know, is that's, that's really hard. Like, cause you know, I was so determined when I, when I got my former job in the nonprofit that I, that was going to be, the way that I was going to go, I was going to work in communications. I was going to like be a champion of spreading the good word of people that were providing valuable um, services and community. And it just ended up being uh, a demoralizing and frustrating experience for me. And so now I know I can't necessarily just keep doing that um, because I don't want to burn myself out again immediately. Um, 
but I was also reflecting this morning when I went out for a walk, I was asking myself, like, how could I, like, how much money do I need to live okay, like live well? Um, and living in Vancouver, I let go of the idea of home ownership shortly after I moved here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, even if we were to find co-op housing, uh, I would just be like so thrilled to have an opportunity to live that way. Um, so I guess I'm just kind of, I'm in this process of redefining what success means to me. Um, mm. Because, you know, I was very specific when I got the old job, like this is the salary I want to make. And that was exactly the salary that I got. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling um, me that. So now I'm, I'm kind of going through this thing again. It's like, how much do I need to earn um, to be able to, you know, make sure that my debts are paid. I can save a little bit, eat what I want when I want. Um, I don't have... Um, I, like I don't really have a need or a desire for like really expensive things. I wouldn't consult, like I, I, I'm quite happy to get most of the things that I wear um, through consignment or thrifting or whatever. And I, I that's a fact, like that's a choice too against fast fashion and all that garbage. But yep. um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I need all that much to live well. Um but at the same time, like it would still be nice when the world opens up again. I still want to go to Scotland. It's like the land of my people. You know, I still want to go to the Isle of Skye, like which is apparently where the McDonald lineage started. Um, mm. And I would love to do those things. And I would love to be able to stay in places that the beds don't hurt my back, you know. <laughs> like, but I, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, it's uh it's a weird situation to be in and just kind of doing this kind of deep reflection and just like, sometimes I just like, I mutter to myself though in the morning, I'm just like, here we go again, another fucking day. Like, and I don't know what's next. Like yep. <laughs> groundhog day. No, like, <laughs> where, where I'm really kind of struggling is like, is I, I, I just keep oscillating back and forth sometimes at hyper speed between like, you know, feeling like I need to kind of continue to do what I'm doing and that's going to be the right thing. Mm -hmm. And just being like, this is a fucking pipe dream. Like mm -hmm. you need to get off of this and just start just hammering out resumes, just like eight hours a day everywhere. Um, and, and I just, yeah, I'm, I'm just really kind of, I don't want to give up on myself because that's mm -hmm. been my habit my whole life, but I'm just, you know, I'm broke and that sucks shit. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, all the jobs I'm applying for, like, aren't calling me back either. So it's just, again, I'm just, I'm just feeling really, I, I feel so desperately like I want to, you know, just, just be doing something and, mm -hmm. and being useful to someone. Like, yeah. so you are <laughs> just, doing that with this. And I just need to kind of um, say, or, or to, to tell you like how, your presence in my life is having a very positive impact. Like us doing this has been something I really have started to enjoy. And um, same. But, yeah. but also that you have this wonderful voice and like almost everybody I know who listens to it has, you have this great radio voice, you have a wonderful presence. And I, I think that, uh, and I hope actually, I think that somebody's going to hear this and then is going to want to continue to work with you in a paid way. Like, I think there's opportunities for you. And it's just finding them, right? And just, um, and, you know, I know at one point you said, like, I would just be thrilled if I got to, like, you know, have conversations throughout the day. Sure, yes. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I can see, I can see you doing such an amazing job on it, of it. And 
Um, and it's just, you know, when I see, sometimes when I see some of what these podcasts are doing in the US, especially in the numbers they bring in and the, it's pretty impressive. Like, I think there is opportunity for you. It's just, I know it doesn't feel that way, especially when you haven't been able to send an invoice for a while, but yeah, it's there. I just, I just feel like you need to hear it, hear it from maybe from me too, that, you know, like that just, I think that uh, you do provide real value and help people feel uh, less isolated. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I, and I do appreciate that and it, and it does mean a lot. And it's, it's one of those things where like, again, that's, that's part of what I'm struggling with is, is I feel like, you know, there's a bunch of different things that I feel like I could, you know, do other than go back to the way that I used to make money. Um, but I kind of feel like I'm, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's just a bit of, a bit of what I was talking about before of feeling like I'm trying to do too many things at once. And I feel like I just don't, I see the potential for one thing to earn money. And I kind of like lean into that a little bit and kind of like get it somewhere along the line, but not quite ready. And just like, I don't know, I just, it'd be nice to have just like six months and mm somebody else to come in and, and put together like a plan of like how I want to tackle whatever this thing is and just like figure that out. But, you know, like I said, in, in the meantime, I'm just really kind of struggling with like figuring out just how to make money and, and, you know, yeah. Um, but well, yeah, so, before so we move on though, Jordan, I just want to, I just wanted to um, ask you if I had, if I had asked you this before, I can't remember, um, but have you ever considered doing um, like fashion and style coaching for folks with ADHD specifically? Is that something? You yes, I have. Um, I've, I've not only just ADHD, but autism as well, because I think that that would be something where like um, there's potential, I think, for people to want to present a, and this is even true of my neurotypical clients um, that like, there are people who want to be able to do the thing without having to think about it or have any interest in it. Like, you know, um, mm. uh, same as, as if whatever they, they want to open up their like workout app and it tells them how many pushups they need to do and then how long they need to rest and then how many sit-ups they need to do and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, I don't want to think about this. I want to do this thing and have somebody else kind of walk me through it. And that's where I think that like figuring out that angle, there, there is an angle I think that comes down to basically formulaic dressing of like, okay, here's, you know, here's the styles of garments you're going to wear. Here's the colors that best suit you. And here's like, you know, a way to build a, a 12 piece wardrobe. That's pretty much completely interchangeable other than like, you know, one 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 look doesn't quite coordinate that well or something like that but for the most part the stuff is really interchangeable mm -hmm. and that's like building those kinds of systems um it's interesting because that's that's something that um i think would benefit neurodivergent clients but also it really just kind of comes out of um how men consume fashion information uh mm -hmm. and this is like something that I had kind of understood intuitively to some degree because everything's always very prescriptive in the like men's style space. Um, and then I read a book a couple of years ago called Amatora uh, about the post-war adoption of American fashion in Japan. Hmm. And 
that was like that that would that, that that's the, the the sort of whatever uh uh apotheosis of that was like these japanese style magazines that were like incredibly prescriptive about like you know okay well here's here's what you know the american ivy league style looks like and not only like okay you're supposed to wear a white shirt and a blue blazer and gray slacks but like no, it needs to be a white shirt with a button-down collar. It's got to have the collar points no shorter than one and a quarter inches, whatever. It's got to be this kind of tie. It's got to be a single-breasted jacket, undarted, sack-cut, patch pockets, blah, blah, blah. And so just getting, like, hyper-prescriptive right down to, like, the nittiest, grittiest details. Because, again, that was a way for people who were trying to dress in a style and clothes that were from a completely foreign culture to them they needed these like hyper guided sets of rules to kind of like put it together without quote having to worry about it and that kind of approach i think would work really well for neurodivergent clients as well of just like mm -hmm. just like how you know autistic people like having a routine adhd people benefit from having a routine just like going into your closet like the earnest the earnest goes to camp and stuff movies where he flings open his closet and he's got 10 of the same gray t-shirt and 10 of the same pair of overalls and 10 of the same hat <laughs> it's just like you know not quite that austere but what is people's version of that that works for their lifestyle so mm -hmm. yeah but again, these are, it, it's just like, this is, this is actually a perfect example of, I've got six different like market segments and, and kind of programs for lack of a better word in mind like this. Mm. And I just like, I'm, you know, a third to halfway through developing three of them in terms of like notes and a plan and things. Mm -hmm. But then I just kind of, I, I need to, I get excited by looking at dates and I'm like, okay, well, you know, uh, this thing is coming soon. So I should probably like lean into this one demo and try to attract some business there. And then a week later, it'll be like, oh, well, but actually there's this other thing and that's probably a way better segment to target. And it's what we were talking about last week of, of these things that kind of get, I get excited about and they get a little bit started, but they never, they never end up getting finished. And again, finishing is what translates the things into money. So I just need to figure that out. So... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we are at 45 minutes now, and I don't know how much ADHD stuff we've talked about. <laughs> well, I think it's all, it, it has actually been quite related. Um, I agree. Because, um, you know, uh, injustice sensitivity, and um, and I, I think I had said at one point, like, you know, a year into this, and, and maybe something uh, to kind of wrap things up in is to talk about how this, this year and the disruption of this year is what led uh, to my discovery, um, because... Mm -hmm. I actually had all my um, routines and everything just kind of yanked away. And, and so then it, it sort of revealed like how, um, how I wasn't really coping very well, how I didn't know how to um, manage my own schedule, how I got so easily overwhelmed by things. Um, definitely the um, rejection sensitive dysphoria was like yeah. really, really bad for me. Um, <clears throat> So in a way, I, you know, I never want to say I'm grateful for this pandemic because I am not. Um, but I, I did, I do feel like that that disruption led me to the discovery that I wouldn't have made otherwise. You know. No, you know what? I I don't think that. I don't think that it's fucked up or shitty or anything to say that. 
not necessarily that you're grateful for the pandemic, but you're grateful for some of the things that have come out of it. Because I was thinking about that this morning and um, yeah, of, of just like, I think I talked about this before of, you know, kind of zooming out a little bit and trying to look at it more broadly and being like, okay, you know, like I, I had, you know, what I would characterize, I know this isn't maybe the PC language anymore, but as, as multiple nervous breakdowns in the last few years. And those were, you know, horrible experiences. I wouldn't wish them on my worst enemy. Like I, I never want to fucking feel that way again. Um, but when I asked myself if those were ultimately a good or a bad thing, I can't say either way. Because if I hadn't had those experiences and I hadn't had the burnout and I hadn't had, you know, if I hadn't reached, quote, my version of rock bottom, then mm -hmm. I wouldn't have figured out these things for myself and gotten this perspective and the impetus to develop these tools to live my life better and in a way that suits me and, and my brain better. So again, it's like, mm. I'm, I, I fucking wish I still had money and benefits and a job to show up to, but mm. without losing that, I wouldn't have gained all of the knowledge of self and, you know, as much as I'm low right now, ultimately the confidence, because I am a much more confident person than when I was in kind of the tail end of that job. Mm -hmm. um, even though I don't feel confident right now, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I can recognize that that's true. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to look at it at like, or, or even if, if you want to get even more specific of just right with the, the quarantine thing. So, you know, like part of the fitness stuff for me that I was really enjoying was going to the gym three days a week and going to lift weights and going and sitting in the hot tub after. Like that was some of my favorite shit. And when the lockdown happened, it was just like, oh, great. Like this is like I'm, I'm unemployed. I don't have any sort of like fixed routine or kind of social outings right now because I'm just like broke and not much to do. But what I do have is this gym membership and I can go and lift and use the climbing wall and go for a swim and use the hot tub and all this other stuff. And so that was, again, when everything closed, I was like, well, cool. Like my one little fucking joy is gone now. Like this is just perfect, of course. <laughs> but then <laughs> I, again, the, 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 the kind of upshot of that though, was that I got into doing bodyweight exercise because I couldn't go to the gym and lift weights anymore, which ultimately I have found a thousand times more enjoyable than lifting weights. I'm mm -hmm. definitely like stronger, like I've got more results from doing that than when lifting weights. And I also just, it really helped me connect with my body a lot better. Um, mm. which again is hard with the ADHD thing. So it's like, yes, it sucks shit that my routine was disrupted and I couldn't do the one thing that was kind of like really keeping me steady and stable, but something better came out of it. Something that ultimately mm -hmm. is, 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 going to bring more benefits to my life came out of that little thing. So, yeah. 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 Um, that's such a, I think that's such a great perspective that you're seeing it that way. And I, I honestly don't know that I ever would have become a plant lady um, <laughs> without this, you know, yeah. um, my mom has been like an ace gardener for many, many years. And I would always love going to her home and like 
marveling and basking and everything that she'd done. But I always thought to myself, this is not something I'm capable of doing. <laughs> and um, last year when um, I started in, I guess it would have been May when uh, things were going sideways with the job and I knew it wasn't going to last for me. I just started buying dirt and pots and just experimenting with putting things in soil and watering them and seeing what would happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as a result, you know, we, we ended up having this lovely little oasis um, on our, you know, little urban um, balcony. And it has brought me so much joy and has actually nourished me too, you know, like with beans and tomatoes and mm-hmm. those Nastar tedium flowers are spicy and delicious. I, love I was just going to ask if you'd had a chance to try them yet, because yeah, that that's like, that was shocking to me because uh, I knew that they were edible. But then I went and went and actually kind of threw some in the salad and I was like, Oh, these are spicy. <laughs> like, right? there's a little bit of zest to these. Yeah. Zippy little things. So mm-hmm. um, I, I am trying to uh, focus on that. And, and maybe that's why I'm, you know, jumping the gun a little bit this year, because I'm recalling some of that joy from last year. Mm. Just like, this is so lovely to be able to do this and to have a hummingbird feeder and um, things that I, I wouldn't have even entertained before. And uh, and so in that sense, I am grateful, you know, um, that mm-hmm. that I can do that, that I have the space and time for that. And I think it, no matter what happens, no matter where um, I end up working, um, this is it's something that will continue for me. It's something I can work into whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and and yeah, I think it just somebody um, had written something about this last year and it wasn't necessarily related to ADHD, but it was something about mm-hmm. the microbes that are in soil. So when, when your mm. hands actually get into the soil, like when you get your hands physically dirty, there's microbes in the soil that are actually, that actually act as, um, as an antidote to depression. So mm. there's like a, a well-being piece in there and I forget which, uh, which piece it is, but apparently just getting your hands physically into the dirt can elevate your mood almost immediately. And I have no I idea. Wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's a correlation to grounding um, cause I was, I was saying, I think at some point we were talking about this, uh, that like walking around barefoot in the grass is mm-hmm. like a really big one for me that I found in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, even today, like it was, this is actually pretty classic ADHD is that I went to go for a walk this morning and then I just found myself at the Hunter's Garden Center, which isn't too far from us. So I was like, pansies are on special. All right, pansies, I'll get some pansies. And then I came home and just, you know, milling around doing things. And I was like, okay, gonna have a shower, gotta go do some paperworky things on my computer, whatever, you know, get my shit together. <laughs> but then I just couldn't even resist my like I had already had a shower, I was clean, I was dressed, and then I was like, without even thinking of it and doing it intentionally, I'm like on the balcony, like covered in dirt. <laughs> Like these like pansies into like a thing and like making a like a, a hell of a mess <laughs> but I was loving it like I was just really enjoying it but it was just so like you know you should do the dirty things first and then maybe have the shower but I have the shower <laughs> and then I get all dirty and then I'm like oh well you know it just doesn't matter because it did it just like it grounded me almost immediately because I was feeling really really stressed out this morning I saw something on Twitter that was just shocking and upsetting and I like that, that was my response. Like I saw that and I was like, fuck, I can't, I gotta get my hands dirty and ground. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about Twitter for a sec. Um, cause this was something that I was thinking <laughs> about earlier is that, uh, so 
when I wake up, I, what, what I've kind of been thinking about this morning is like when I wake up, I need to start just like, even if it's four or whatever, and I feel like I should try and get back to sleep, I need to just get up and start going. And I'll sleep again when I'm tired again, because what happens more often than not is I lay back down in bed. So I get up to pee or whatever and get back into bed at like 4.15 and I'm like, okay, back to sleep. And then try to sleep unsuccessfully for 15, 20 minutes and then grab my phone and just fucking lay in bed and scroll through Twitter for like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour or something Mm. like that. And it's, it's. Yeah, it, it's just like it's the worst possible way to start, I feel like. And I just need to either get up and start doing something, even if it's just like, okay, have a shower and start my day or go exercise. Or even if I don't, if I want to just do something kind of mindless, like scrolling Twitter would be, just finding a different version of that. Just like mm-hmm. getting, I don't know, get, getting, getting some really kind of... I, light like just a magazine just starting to carry a magazine around in the pocket of my coat around the house instead of uh uh my phone and just like okay when i've got 10 minutes while i'm making coffee or waiting for a file to upload or something just like look through that you've got a million different books of short stories how long does it take to read a short story like you could mm-hmm. probably read a short story in the time you're waiting for this fucking wave file to upload instead of you know reading about how horrible things are again and they are mm. but does that how i need to start my day i don't know so. yeah I, I you know what i'm definitely going to agree with you there because um although i developed some pretty strong boundaries around my phone even a few years ago so i don't get mm-hmm. any notifications whatsoever um, yes yeah, all turned off um i charge my phone in the living room it's not in the bedroom with me at night um, and so when I wake up in the morning, it's actually not the first thing that I'm going for anymore. I've, I've cultivated that habit of just like, yeah, it's good. Warm, nourishing beverage, stare out the window, maybe do morning pages, um, figure things out and then, you know, physically get up and then go over to where my phone is. And, um, and one of the things that I used to do, I don't know if this is helpful at all, but hmm. I used to just watch movie trailers on YouTube. Oh yeah. That was <laughs> my thing. For the longest time. Um, and that was kind of like better. Like that's when I had quit Twitter before and whenever that was 2016, um, that became my zone out. I would just like watch movie trailers because there's just like always some movie trailers and some of them are just so ridiculous that at times I can sometimes just watch a movie trailer and it actually makes me feel better because I'm like, some people got together and made this thing and somebody probably <laughs> spent some money and it is really awful but wow <laughs> I could just somehow my partner laughs at me and he's like how are you feeling smug about this I'm like it's not smug because it's really fucking hard to make a movie I know I've done it it's so hard um so my hat is always off to anybody who, who puts sure. forward that much effort right because it's it's a, it's a huge undertaking but just watching movie trailers yeah um apparently this is funny the new King Kong Godzilla thing is apparently mm-hmm. really good. I saw a review oh, yeah? of Guardian yesterday and I was like, wow, because <laughs> for some reason creature feature movies this year have become a thing. I used to be way like, I don't watch that shit. But now I'm like, I don't know, I get into that. I'm the big Kong and Godzilla going at it. Like, <laughs> it's probably going to be pretty trippy. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Speaking of pages, if you'd like even more from Robbie and Jordan, there are personal essays, ADHD resources, book reviews, and a discussion post for each episode and minisode over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash holy shit I have ADHD. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. (laughs) 